Welcome to the Mother Loving Future Show, hosted by Amber Strange and Jenna Penrose, two mothers and detectives dedicated to fully embodying a new paradigm of conscious parenting, deeper relationships, healing ourselves into radiant health, and epic answers to age-old enigmas. Get ready to get your mind blown, because this week's episode starts in Three, two, one. Blast off. Welcome to the Mother Loving Future Show, everyone. It's Amber and Jenna here, and we are so happy to be hanging out with the gorgeous Sahara Rose talking about how to reset, upgrade, and upload an abundance mindset. But before we get too far into the good stuff, I would love to announce that this week's episode is very proudly sponsored by one of my most favorite superfood brands, Four Sigmatic. I am personally a massive fan of this superfood company, so it's a bit of a proud mama bear moment to have them supporting us today. So if you guys don't know, you should know that medicinal mushrooms benefit our immunity, energy, stress levels, and longevity, and all around help us be better human beings living a better life. Four Sigmatic makes it so easy because they make these cute little packets that you just add with hot water and it makes your favorite matcha or latte or hot cocoa, but it has medicinal mushrooms in there and it doesn't even taste anything like mushrooms. Nothing like mushrooms. I was sculling, loving every single medicinal sip of my Lion's Mane coffee on my way to your place this morning. So I testify they are legit amazing. We are offering all of our MLF listeners a 15% discount off your Four Sigmatic purchase. Go to foursigmatic.com slash MLF or use discount code MLF at checkout. More on this amazing superfood potion later. Let's get back now to cultivating an abundance mindset. It is my pleasure to introduce this week's guest, Sahara Rose. Sahara is the number one international best-selling author of the book, The Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda, and she also is the author of the upcoming book, Eat Feel Fresh. And as if that's not enough, she also hosts her own podcast on spirituality called The Highest Self Podcast. Sahara is an avid believer in the ancient wisdom of Ayurveda and delivers that to us with a modern twist. Check out her blog, her podcast, or her books for more about this. And she's also an abundance expert, helping people find their path to freedom. And that is why we have her on the show today. Yay! Hi, thank you so much for having me. Hi, beautiful. Mm -hmm. Jenna and I were just accosting Sahara a second ago, asking all of her secrets for her glowing, flawless, youthful skin. It's really perfect. It's Mm -hmm. unbelievable. I just can't take my eyes off it. And tell us what you, you said the remedy was. Well, it's not really a remedy. I mean, in Ayurveda, there's different doshas, different mind-body types. And certain people like you, Amber, you're very vata. I don't know if you've heard that before, but you're very vata, which is the air type. So you're you're tall and you're lean, um, but you probably have tendency towards dry skin. You mentioned you were cold. That's all actually part of your constitution, whereas you're actually more pitta, Jenna. um, So that's why you probably have more combination skin, maybe of an oily T-zone, maybe acne was an issue for you when you were younger. Um, and that's related to excess heat in your system. My skin and my face in general is very kapha, which is the earth dosha. So people with earth dosha tend to have generally good skin, um, but they have easier time gaining weight. So, you know, it's like, are you going to have like more troublesome skin, but you won't gain weight or do you gain weight and you have good skin? It's almost like the universe won't let you have it all. (laughs) Wow. That is incredible. So what do I need to do to get your skin? (laughs) Well, this could be a whole other podcast, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it all starts from within healing your digestion, healing whatever's going on inside of you. And I use a lot of oils. Like right now there's grapeseed oil on my skin. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm shiny. Oh, yeah. so shiny. It's not just your aura. You know what I've discovered recently? I know we're going to get into the definition any second, but avocado oil, organic avocado oil on my skin, my skin is soaking it up and I can, I wake up in the morning and I feel like my wrinkles have plumped out and I feel it's smooth and just really deeply nourished. 
So heads up. Don't look too close. (laughs) Okay, Jenna, do you want to hit us with a definition for today's episode? Absolutely. So my definition for reset and abundance mindset is maybe you have had a story running within your psychology that is preventing you from achieving the success that you know is yours. This is the moment when you can do the self-work to mindfully choose a new mindset, a mindset free from internal blockages that may be holding you back a new productive mindset that will propel you forward into the full abundance and freedom that you seek. Nice. Do you have anything to add to that definition, Sahara? Yeah, I think you pretty much nailed it. That abundance really is a mindset and that, you know, again, our internal beliefs will reflect in our external realities. Good one. Do you have a story for us of your own personal journey and relationship with abundance? Yeah. So growing up, my mom was like a a housewife and my dad would work. So there was always that duality of my dad makes the money and makes the decisions and my mom stays home, therefore can't make decisions. She's just with us. And I remember um, my dad, who normally was working all the time and we really grew up with my mom, um, took my brother and I out to ice cream. And I was probably like five years old. And I always loved the vanilla with the sprinkles. And my brother always loved the chocolate. I hated chocolate. He hated vanilla with the sprinkles. And my dad's like, okay. Um, and his like Persian accent. He's like, okay, time for ice cream. What do you want to pick? And I'm like, I want vanilla with sprinkles. He's like, I want chocolate. My dad's like, well, it's 69 cents less if you get a medium and shared one flavor instead of getting too small. So you decide one flavor. And I'm like, well, like we're going to get the vanilla. He's like, no, we're going to get the chocolate. We're like going back and forth. And then my dad just gets his ice cream. He's like, well, you didn't decide. So no ice cream for you. And it clicked in my head that, okay, the person who has the money gets to decide what flavor ice cream you're going to eat. And I knew that in order for me to be in my power to get the things that I wanted, I had to have this money. But at the same time, I would see him always stressed out, like mumbling under his breath as he was like opening the bills. It's like he never had fun. He never got to play. uh, play. He was almost engulfed by this money, but at the same time got to decide how we all live our lives. So part of me my whole life really wanted that money, that power. But then another part of me really feared what heaviness that would put on me. Mm -hmm. And I kind of danced in my life from, you know, wanting to be a lawyer, but then wanting to just join the Peace Corps and wanting to like really help people and be of service. But then money being this thing that was almost holding me back. And then later on, like after college, I, I was traveling. I lived in India and in Bali and all these places and really just like living a vagabond lifestyle. I was health coaching, making just enough money to survive in these places and thinking that, okay, I'm just not going to think about money. If I don't think about it and I just get enough to survive, then I'm not going to be ruled by money. And I really have this belief that money is corrupt. I can't be a spiritual person if I have money. Um, Money's the root of all problems. People with money make poor choices. You know, all of these things that we see. And if you have a belief, you can find the stories to match them. I also dated this guy who was one of the richest people in India. So I would see all of the, you know, drama related to his lifestyle, like crazy things that could be on reality TV. And I'm like, I want nothing to do with that. However, then I was still not able to make my own decisions. I would get into dangerous situations that I wouldn't be able to find my way out of because I didn't have money. And I remember I was like in India on a New Year's and everyone's New Year's resolutions are like, I want to follow my heart. I'm like, I wish I was more in my masculine. (laughs) And they're like, what? I'm like, I just want to figure this out. But it felt so heavy and and stuck and, and I had to sacrifice myself. So eventually I got to this point like, okay, I'll just sacrifice myself. I'm going to become a real estate agent. Like I thought that that, I thought that was the way that I can just like have enough free time to like do my like writing and Ayurveda and like still make money. I don't know why that was the, the idea. But every time I started to just read these books to study, I would just start crying. Mm. And it was my body telling me like, no, this is not your path. Mm. And I had I didn't have an example of someone that was really following their purpose, still living a life of freedom, joy, purpose, ease, grace, and had financial freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, I was only finding examples of one or the other. And 
then I published my first book, Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda. And a lot of people think that with a book, you're going to like instantly make lots of money, but that's actually not the reality. Actually, you have to be able to figure out how to monetize around the book, like creating programs, et cetera. So I started to just really learn about online business, everything there was to know about, like, how does a program work? What is SEO? What are all of these funnels? And from that, I just I mean, I took way longer than I needed to because I was almost like, okay, come on, like step by step. But I created my first online program, Eat Right for Your Mind Body Type, which I still run now. And I learned all about online business. And then that gave me the freedom to be able to live a life aligned with me, sharing what rings true and still be able to not only just pay my bills, but to be able to give and and sponsor children all over the world and to make decisions that I was just telling I'm going on a mermaid retreat. Like I would not have been able to do that though I had so wanted to because I didn't have that financial freedom. And to this day, I'm the first woman ever in my lineage to ever work, to ever make money, to ever be in her power. Wow. So that is powerful. Yeah. Killing it. Thank you. So it's like rewriting that story, not for just you, but for everyone that came before you. Totally. Mm. And so let me ask you a question. So when you were, um, you know how you said when you read the real estate books that you just like cried, but when you started to learn about online business, did that feel resonant to you or did you have to push your yourself through that in any way. It felt really confusing and overwhelming, but something I was still excited about Mm -hmm. because I knew if I could figure this out, then I could live the lifestyle that I want. But the real estate thing kind of felt like copping out. Mm -hmm. It kind of felt like, okay, follow your dreams is just for Disney movies, but it doesn't actually happen. Like this is reality. And that was what was being echoed to me by my own parents. Mm -hmm. Like no one actually follows their dreams, Mm -hmm. you know, but with the online business, though it was uncharted territory. And though it's still always moving, it felt like if I could just figure this out, then I'll be able to really be the most authentic version of myself. Mm, I love that. There were a few golden nuggets I got from your story. The first one was, um, and hopefully this resonates for the listeners, you noticed, you, you looked back on your life story and you observed the root of your um, mindset and, and where that was birthed from, the scarcity complex you observed your father having, which you obviously traumatized you to some degree. Mm-hmm. I would too. Someone taking away my ice cream at that mm-hmm. age, <laughs> I'd be broken for life. Um, and you were able to reflect that that was a root of that mindset and you were able to go back and decide, I'm going to make a conscious choice to move beyond that and rewrite my narrative. And then the second thing I got was you putting in the hard work and having integrity and real um, ethics behind needing to research and understand and um, really just apply the action to being a student of the systems and how to start to understand them well enough to rule them really. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they, they were the golden nuggets I got. Mm-hmm. What do you get, Jenna? Definitely. I What I got was just that your body is not going to let you go down the wrong path. Do you know what I mean? I think that's very powerful because I think a lot of us grapple with exactly with what you're talking about with our parents want us to be doctors or lawyers. That's all. And you're going to let them down if you follow your heart, you know, but to, and then just really taking note of the cues in your body of like, what is your body trying to tell you? What is your intuition trying to tell you? Because you're going to get nudged into your path if you trust those inner voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing that is most people don't even know what those inner voices are. They're so used to feeling tired and heavy and just weak, pointless all the time that they don't even know what's the difference. And in, in the Vedas and Vedic spirituality, which I study, we were each born with a purpose and that's called your dharma. Essentially that is, and it's not like one specific purpose. It could have many shades and many facets. So you're born with this dharma. And when you're living in alignment with your dharma, things start to flow. You start meeting the right people at the right time and doors just open. And it's almost like you're in the passenger seat of your own life. And you're like, how is all of this happening? That's called kriya, flow. But we oftentimes take the wrong path away from our Kriya. And that's when, oh, well, being a real estate agent makes a lot of money. Or, oh, well, this nine to five is more secure. Oh, my husband doesn't want me to work or whatever that story is. So we start to go off this highway and life begins to respond in taps and we don't listen. And then it's punches (laughs) and we don't listen. And then it's an accident. And oftentimes we still don't listen. So For people listening, if you feel like every day is just a struggle, then that's actually the universe 
pushing you away from whatever it is you're doing. It, it wants you to respond to that internal feeling and go towards what feels good, what feels easy. And even rewriting the story that, yes, it was a lot of work or effort for me to learn about online business, but it wasn't hard in the same way that me trying to be someone else would, you know? Mm-hmm. I could see that it was a mountain, but I wanted to be hiking that mountain. Mm-hmm. You were fueled by more than just the mind, and I should make this practical decision to become more abundant. You were fueled by your every cell in your being and also the angels orchestrating things to mm-hmm. support you along mm-hmm. that path. All the women in your family who never got to live their mission, they're all the Flapping angels behind, behind you. you. They were <laughs> like, you got this girl, we're behind you. Absolutely, yes. I, it reminded me just recently I was in San Francisco and my legend of a mother-in-law gave me for my birthday back in August um, a palm reading, a palm analysis session with this brilliant guy called Richard Unger um, in San Francisco. And I didn't really know what to expect. And I went along to this, pa- this um, palm analysis session and it was the most legitimate, accurate, complex, um, incredible reading I've ever had. And, you know, I've gone into Vedic astrology and tarot and I Ching and everything. And his whole approach was using the technology, the wisdom of the body, which is embedded in us as a roadmap to reveal each person's life purpose. And he was talking about how we all have a life purpose. And he was explaining this exact philosophy we're discussing today, which is when you're not living your life purpose, you're going to be hitting roadblocks Mm -hmm. and your angels are orchestrating opportunities for you to wake up and redirect yourself onto the correct course and to not mistake those breakdowns as bad luck or bad karma or whatever it may be, but as an opportunity to refine and um, recalibrate yourself onto the right path. And it was brilliant. He also said that the fingertips, I just think this is a fascinating point, um, the, the fingerprints are your soul imprint. So what before you were born, what your soul is coming in with for this lesson. And then he also said a really fascinating thing that he could tell instantly what my challenge is going to be in this lifetime. And he said to me, you're going to have a theme of disillusionment in the particular zone of relationships. And he's like, does that sound familiar for you? (laughs) If you guys have listened to um, a couple of other episodes, Twin Flame Soulmate Life Partner, you'll come to understand it is this repetitive theme in my life where the illusion that is presented in relationship comes crashing down, but that's been my ultimate breakthrough into my spiritual path, into my true life purpose, etc. So I guess what I'm trying to say is there are angels divinely guiding us and it's very easy to mistake it as, you know, just a run of bad luck, but really open your eyes to see that as an opportunity to find your true life purpose. And you'll be supported and things will flow. It's a, it's a miracle. It's amazing. Totally. I, know. I call that the universe's benevolent two by four that hits you upside the head. <laughs> it's very true. I like that image. Mm-hmm. Um, Sahara, I want to I wanna ask you, so, you know, you're really into the ancient ways of um, Ayurveda just as a general framework of your life. Are there any more aspects of Ayurveda that we can see in your approach to cultivating an abundance mindset? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the way that I look at it is these doshas, these archetypes don't just apply to um, your health and your self-care practices, but they also apply to your relationship with money. So people with vata, relationships with money, they have a lot of air energy. So in terms of abundance, there are people that money easily comes and goes. They may have an impulse to suddenly buy something and then go into debt later on. So, Guilty. Yeah. So you're very, very <laughs> vata. Um, so a really good example of this is Michael Jackson. So Michael Jackson, super creative, very Vata, but he made, you know, about $2 billion in his lifetime, they calculated. And he died in $270 million of debt. Whoa, like, what? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, he had to actually like 
auction off most of his belongings. And it was this whole thing that he was always struggling because he would spend about $200 million more per year than he was making. Like, what do you even spend that on? Well, that's what happens when you try to recreate Neverland. Never Neverland. <laughs> but, and it's also like that deeper problem within that his Vata was very, very out of balance and he needed to have more grounding and security inside of himself. Otherwise, it would have just manifested in terms of energy, which is currency. Currency is energy. So we have the Vata relationship. Money easily comes and goes. You may not be on top of your finances. You don't want to look at things. It feels too like, ugh. And then Pitta is very, it's fire. So fire is sharp. It's analytical. So they're the type of people they have like their spreadsheets for Q1, Q2, like, okay, projected income. Oh, and then they'll like go back and see they're in their bank accounts quite often. They have a really good relationship with their financial team. Um, They know what's going on. But the shadow side of that is sometimes you may be overly analytical with your money that you won't sign up for the mermaid retreat or do something that doesn't make sense that you just feel like doing. You always want to see what's the return on my investment. Mm-hmm. So most you know, people on Wall Street, business people, et cetera, very pitta in their approach. And then kapha is earth. So these people are they're with the earth. They're grounded. They're stable. They're calm. They're loving. Think Oprah energy or grandmother energy. Like They're really supportive. They care so much about other people. And they spend most of their money on other people. Mm. They'll make sure their kids are okay. Their husband's okay. They've gotten everyone gifts. But then when it comes to themselves and their own self-care, oh no, no, I don't have the budget for that. Mm. And they tend to spend on things like candles or blankets, like things that make them feel more comfy and warm, but they won't spend as much on like experiences or adventures. Um, because for them, it's like, it's very earthy. If you think about like Taurus or the planet Venus, that Venusian properties, Um, So they need to spend more on personal development and getting out of their comfort zone because that's how they can take their beautiful magic and spread it out to other people. Can I ask you, so whatever um, type that you are, is that going to mean that your abundance mindset will correspond with that type? Or can you be like Guni had said, like tridoshic or different aspects of different doshas within the same person? Do you think it's likely that your physical constitution would line up with how your relationship with money is? Yeah. So that's a really great question. So we were each born with a unique set of all three doshas. So we're not just one. We have a combination of all three. Some of them, like you, Amber, you have a lot of vata. You look vata, your personality is vata, like you're just vata. Whereas some people, like I have, it's actually pretty close with all three. It's it's pitta, vata, kapha. Um, So some people, it's a little bit closer. Some people, it's just like they have a lot more planets in just one in one sign. Mm-hmm. Some people it's more equally mixed. And then you have your Vikruti, which is what's going on today. And that's related to your lifestyle, your diet, your environment, the seasons, and those are the fluctuations. So normally your abundance mindset is going to correlate with the dosha of your mind. Because when you're mentally thinking about something, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything, right? So if you're like a really spontaneous person in your relationships and in your lifestyle, you're probably going to be like, you're not going to be a super disciplined, routine, organized person with your money. It's going to show up everywhere. Mm -hmm. However, you may have a cold or a digestive issue. That's like a temporary thing that um, won't be reflecting in your mental dosha. Hmm, That is fascinating. And that leads me to the question, um, we're exploring the connection of being human and the different aspects and how everything is affected, really. When you transitioned into a upgraded abundance mindset, did you find any changes in your physical, emotional constitution? Oh my gosh, yes. I felt, I honestly felt my all of my cells upgrade into finally becoming who I wanted to be. Like mm. being able to fully say, yes, that's what I want to eat. Yes, that's how I want to spend my time, like being in my power. And my personal background, which a lot of our backgrounds was, was, was female suppression. So, you know, my grandmothers were in child marriages when they were 14 years old, and that's been for generations to come. So to be able to decide, like, no, I'm not cooking dinner. Like, no, I'm not doing this. And like to fully stand in that just shifted everything for me and also allowed me to be a better friend and a better partner and a better everything because we don't realize how much time we spend on little things to save money, Mm -hmm. right? Like let's say you're at Whole Foods and you want to buy the avocados, but you know they're cheaper at Trader Joe's. So like before I would have like left Whole Foods and like drove to Trader Joe's like just to get like the $1 cheaper avocados. But like think of the opportunity cost of that. There's so many things we're doing or, you know, 
buying coupons. I don't know if people really do that as much anymore because of the internet, but like going online to like 20 different websites to see where's the cheapest place I can get this dress or this flight or this, this, or is that we're not thinking about that opportunity cost that when you're in your power, you can say, Oh, this is just what I want because I know my time is more valuable than the time I'm going to spend on whatever this difference is. Mm -hmm. So it sounds to me like you're really relating. If you're living your life in your head, AKA a lot of the time fear Mm -hmm. and calculation or your heart, Mm -hmm. which is trust, openness, intuition. And so I can imagine that the vibration of living in your head and calculating the coupons and the fear of I should be paying 50 cents less to Trader Joe's instead of Whole Foods, because you're putting that energy out there, that vibration out there, that's kind of what you're creating and manifesting in the form of blockages. So maybe that's a good kind of pointer for our audience. Living in the heart is always a good idea. Can you speak to us about um, your concept of living in the heart versus head in your relationship with money? Do you look for a balance? Are you fully in your heart or fully in your head? Or what's your relationship with that? Yeah. So I feel like our abundance is really a result of our worthiness. You know, the more you believe you're worthy, the more abundant that you become. And that also goes with seeing other people's worthiness too. You know, a lot of people, they, they want something, they begin bargaining with that person. Oh, can you give it to me for, for less? Oh, I don't have the money for that. Well, that's the energy that you're going to get back to you. Now I love paying people their full rate. Like that makes me so joyful because it's putting out their energy that like, yes, you're worthy and you're worth it. And that's going to come right back to you. So the more you believe that you're worthy, um, the more abundant that you're going to become. Now the balance of living between the head or the heart, you know, I've been, I've lived in spiritual communities and I've also grown up in Boston. My dad went to MIT, which is very in the head. So I've really seen the polar opposites of both. And I've seen a lot of the people who are the most gifted, the spiritual teachers, the healers, these incredibly gifted people, they're almost so afraid of doing that work of like learning about the online marketing and doing these things that feels so foreign to them that they're not fully able to share their magic and they Mm. end up remaining small and they end up again, having to bargain with people or having to live like that. And when you talk to them, they're not, they don't want to, they want to be abundant and they want to be in their power, but they have this block around stepping into, especially the online marketing world. So we need that balance. And then most people who are living totally in their heads they don't see what's the return going to be on me just working on my on my personal self, working on my soul, taking some time off there. So I always say you're moving from the vata, the creativity, the pitta, the execution, the kapha, the reevaluation. And then from that reevaluation, that sacred pause is when the idea comes through. But most of us are so afraid of that sacred pause that we're like, idea, execute, idea, execute, idea, execute. And we're not thinking of the best ideas and we're not fully executing. And then we just end up burning ourselves out. The air, the fire needs to move into the earth. And from that earth, from that pause, you can move into the air. But then a lot of the people, they stay stuck in the earth and they're just, oh, I'm comfortable here. Oh, I'm fine with just doing a couple one-on-ones. I'm fine with just barely making it. That they're not moving into the fire. They're not moving into the, yes, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to be unapologetic about wanting abundance because that doesn't make me an unspiritual person. That actually makes me a spiritual person in my power. So different doshas, different blocks. Loving the reframe you're offering people. Love that. I mean, a question that came up when you were talking about that was, what would you say to somebody who is like, you know how you had said you did not want to do the real estate course. So like for a lot of people who might be like very spiritual and not, um, might feel the way that you felt when they are coming up against that online marketing or online business. So I mean, not everyone's path to abundance is the same and not everyone is going to take the same path. But um, I think just like you said, using the three different doshas, uh, the energy of those to kind of propel you forward on any path. To me, it also sounds like a key ingredient to all-round success. And abundance for me isn't just a flow of finances. It's health, it's happiness, it's success in relationship. It's really, as you said, self-love coming from that place of I deserve and I am worthy. Um, It sounds to me like the key ingredient is 
balance. So having that understanding the head and its place and where it's useful and where it's not and needs to be tamed and also understanding the heart and, uh, you know, that role and what's useful to create the life you want to create. Another thing I was thinking of when you were, um, when we were discussing this is just authenticity is really being able to be real with yourself in regards to what are my blockages? What is my life purpose? What am I really committed to? And um, what type of person do I want to show up as? Because it was the story you told me about people who were more earthy and spiritual and living in these communities where they were running the narrative of money equals um, something bad or something superficial and that I'm not going towards that path because it's not spiritual. That to me, if you're really real with yourself, sounds like a fear, as you said, of being judged, a fear of being extradited from the community or of looking a certain way, whatever it may be. failure. Yeah, that's it. So just to be real about where your blockages are and what they're really connected to and what you're most authentically committed to in being. And I love how you connected to the fact that when you hold yourself back in fear, you're stopping your gift and your light and your message from being spread more so than just by sitting on it and being held down by not having more freedom financially. It's really some interesting points you have there. And I think for a lot of people, when you take it outside of yourself, like by me playing small, it's not just going to harm me, but it's actually going to hold back all the people that I could potentially help. You know, if I decided, oh, who am I? I can't do any of this. I'm just going to become a real estate agent and be miserable. This podcast wouldn't be happening right now. My abundance mindset masterclass wouldn't have happened. There's so many things that wouldn't be out there. And we each have the potential for all of this. It's just like a little seed that if it can, if it can just get through the sprouting and, and come to come to the air, it's like, oh my God, like, yes, that, 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 moving into the dirt when I didn't even know it was in front of me, that was when all of my power was really tested. And the fact that I believed in myself, that's how I sprouted into the tree or the flower. You know, all of us, we have such unique gifts that we each so need to step up, especially right now. Like we're here incarnated at this time right now because we are like the cleanup crew. So we (laughs) need to step up to our gifts. I completely agree. And I love that today we're discussing ideas and tips and steps of how to actually move to that place and break through the blockages. And speaking of upgrading, which I mean, I want to pick your brain more about how to not only upgrade our consciousness and our mindset around things, but how to join that force where we're truly on our life path. So speaking of upgrading, this is a perfect segue to tell you guys about this week's um, episode is sponsored by Four Sigmatic. I first caught onto Four Sigmatic at an Elixir Superfood bar in Hollywood. Surprise, surprise. Well, you know me, who sold me on a killer mushroom latte that blew my mind. And guess what? Four Sigmatic was the brand they were using. So needless to say, I was hooked and I jammed about 15 packets in my trolley <laughs> and shoveled them home and have been making them at home. And I'm just, I'm obsessed. I love them. So what's your favorite kind of packet? Because I have the medicinal hot cocoa mix at my house, which I give to my kids. They just think it's hot cocoa. They don't even know that there's any medicinal mushrooms in there whatsoever. Genius. Mm -hmm. That's a brilliant way to get medicine into them. Disguise it as delicious cocoa. Totally. Nice mum mum tip there. Well, I'm personally using mushroom coffee with lion's mane and I cannot get enough. Double whammy, my coffee and its medicine. Medicinal coffee, people. Let it sink in. (laughs) It is real organic coffee with zero taste like a mushroom. I just pop it in the blender, add a little hot water, maybe a little, little bit of milk and boom, heaven in a cup. It's so easy to whip up. And there's a cup of half the caffeine, but double the mental clarity. And do you know that they use intense grading systems and quality of beans? So I get no jitters and no energy crashes, just a better life all around. And you know, on that note, I also happen to know that lion's mane mushroom has been used by Buddhist monks for years to aid in focus during meditation. So perfect. Well, there we go. Who knew medicine could be so much fun, easy and delicious. 
pretty impressive guys. So if you are interested in sharing this medicinal mushroom journey with us, get your 15% discount off your Four Sigmatic purchase at foursigmatic.com slash MLF or use discount code MLF at checkout just to spell it out for you. F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com slash MLF. Awesome. Well, let's get back into it with Sahara. So Sahara, can you tell us any main tools that you have used to help shift that mindset so that maybe our listeners could get some tips from that? Yeah. So one of the things I share in my masterclass is to go back to your first, your first memory of money. Um, so for me, it was that ice cream story. So to really think back, like when's the first time you really became cognizant that money existed. And for most of us, it's quite early on in our, in our lifetime. So, you know, you probably won't think of it right now, but maybe it's like a fun journaling practice to do later. And then to think, how does that reflect in how I believe in money right now? And then think, what was your dad's relationship with your money or your mom's or whoever your caretakers were? What were the aspects of that that I may have taken on? And what were the aspects of that that I was like, oh, hell no, too? So going back to our childhood is, is major because just like with everything, that's when we begin to pick up beliefs. And then to, to correlate them with the doshas, which dosha do I feel like I'm embodying the most with money? Do I feel like I'm that, that vata, money comes and goes? I'm not, I don't really know how much I spent last month or last year. And, you know, you know, I had a friend that her ex was using her credit card every month and spent so much money. And she's like, I haven't checked my credit card statement in years. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> but you know, some people just don't. I want to hang out with her. Yeah. <laughs> um, or are you that type that you know every dollar and how it's being spent? You're going back and you're like thinking about ways to be like more on top of your finances. And I want to hang out with you and learn. Um, or are you that type that, you know, maybe you're just kind of hold on to money. Another thing about kapha is it it holds on to things. It's like the earth. So they're the type of people who they won't invest. They won't put their money where they can't understand it. They'll like literally sleep with their money under their mattress, literally. Like they have like their savings account. Like that's enough. That's fine. I know someone sleeping with gold bars under their bed. Very kapha I right there. I will not give you a name, by the way. <laughs> gold bars are smarter than paper money because paper money could burn down, you know. And I know someone who was sleeping with a, a like, literally $100,000 in cash under the bed in Big Sur and the fires came and burned their whole house down with all of that money as well. Oh my God. Oh that my happens God. in Arrested Development with the banana stand too. I don't know if you remember that show, but that's crazy. Well, that's the, that's the coffin right there. You're holding onto money so tightly because you're afraid of losing it and look, look what happens. So no one's, no one's like, there's no dosha that has it all. We're always trying to learn and we're trying to move. So I always think from Vata move into Pitta, from Pitta move into Kapha, from Kapha move into Vata. That's sort of like the roadway. If you think about the chakras from like, you know, the the upper chakras, the third eye and the crown chakra, you're moving into, you're moving it through the heart, you're moving into the action and then you're grounding it into earth and it's the cycle, right? So we're always trying to move forward to see what is the next step that I can take. And maybe for some it's like setting a money date for yourself. Like sometimes I like to like have some little sparkling water with some lemon and turn on my favorite music and like look at my bank account. Because if I make it a more fun environment, I'm like, oh, I have no idea what half of those subscriptions are. I'm going to note that down. And, you know, having it be a little bit more of a fun thing. Also, money uh, is sacral chakra related. So the sacral chakra is in charge of creativity, abundance, and pleasure. So even moving your sacral chakra, I do little hip circles. Like when I'm sitting in my chair, I'm just moving. So it's like a chest, like a, like really getting those hips, like you're like you're grinding all three on of us, someone. By the way. Yeah, we're all, we're grinding, all grinding right now, <laughs> desperately. So so move into those hips, like get that, get those hips moving. Sometimes I'm like standing up and just kind of like shimmying and like shaking my lower body, and that's yeah, releasing that sacral chakra energy. And the beautiful thing is when you are able to open that up for abundance, you're also more creative and you also experience more pleasure. So another course I have is called sex money magic because they're all interrelated and you'll have more sexual joy when you're able to be more abundant and not have fear of that anymore. Be able to receive yes. on all levels. Exactly. It's not just about receiving abundance. It's about receiving love and more passion and Absolutely. more adventure. People, it's like an upgrade. How can it not upgrade every element in your life? And I think our society has so much guilt around all of those topics. Whereas if you look at, for example, in Latin America, 
They talk about money. They talk about sex. They salsa dance with each other. It's so sensual. It's such a sacral chakra culture. Whereas we are so up in our heads that like, oh, you can't talk about how much money you made. You can't talk about this. No, you, no one even knows. And then look what happens. We manifest it in the darkest ways of being obsessed with it and not being able to bring it to light and openly discuss it. Mm-hmm. Wow. So uh, I'm interested in knowing you, Jenna, uh, you know, um, Sahara was saying how understanding what your relationship to money was growing up and where the root of your belief system comes from, and then working with the doshas, understanding what dosha you're more susceptible to and how to move your energy between the three of them to get more balance. So I want to know, Jenna, how was your relationship with money growing up? What was your belief system and what dosha are you in? And Yeah, I'm fascinated to know your story. Mm -hmm. Well, I'd say with money, my family worked very hard and they were able to be successful, like financially abundant. Um, And I never, ever had like any issue with money. You know, it was kind of just like, oh, it, we have it, you know, and that's always kind of like what I took on. And that's always what I've been able to manifest, you know, but I think of the three doshas, like, I'd say I'd, I'm more Vata, I believe. Was that the one that just sort of was like knows what's up with your financial situation? That's Pitta. Pitta. Okay. Yeah. Is that, and you, and you and that's what I am. Pitta okay, too. So, yeah. yeah. So I must be Pitta. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because I think of the three, I that's I'm not quite like an eagle, like looking at my accounts right. all the time, but I have a very good idea of like how much I spend and I try to, you know, spend less than I have. And yeah, it's just never been a problem. That's great. Lucky. Um, well, you I, chose this in this lifetime. You chose to, for maybe in a past life, you had a lot of abundance issues and you're like, in this lifetime, I want to not worry about it. Totally. And I also think like as a hypersensitive person, like I needed that to be okay so that I would be able to focus on other parts of my mission. Like if that part was not okay, then I wouldn't have been able to do a lot of the work that I have been able to do. And I also have a very strong desire to use my abundance to help all. Do you know, mm-hmm. it's not like I just want all the abundance for myself and then everyone else can just whatever, you know, it's like, I feel like I have a stewardship in order, like I have to use this luck for good, that's do you know? Great. So that's sort of my mindset. How about you? Well, once again, I'm going to bring it back to my palm analysis session because it was so incredible. He said to me that one of the things that I was, I had um, inherited like a kind of a blueprint almost um, from when before I was born was a, um, uh, what was success fear. So, so success, uh, fear, fear around being successful. And it's interesting because I said, I don't really resonate with that. Like I, when you say that there isn't a part of me that thinks, oh yeah, no, I I don't want to be successful. And once again, success means health and love and abundance and finances and all of that stuff. But when I, um, was really thinking about it, I realized that my mother has a massive, massive theme around fear, around success. And that shows up in blockages around self-love, which shows up in blockages around the flow of abundance, which shows up in blockages in health, in relationships, in every aspect of her life, really. And it made me realize talking about lineages and how you work so hard to mindfully move beyond the lineage that you were inheriting and how that will then have a ripple effect down, back down the lineage and how the women in your life will um, start to energetically open up and hopefully upgrade and meet you up there as well. It made me think about how I've probably done, I was, you know, growing up, I could see how my parents didn't really have a lot of importance around money in the idea where it wasn't ever a big conversation. Um, you know, we never really was, it never felt like we were struggling, but they weren't ever about saving or about spending. It just kind of, I don't know, wasn't, um, didn't put a lot of attention on it. Um, except when my mother's personal relationship was just about rejecting opportunities to upgrade, to be successful. So in thinking about those two aspects, I think that I've moved beyond my, what I was inheriting and, um, but I still have the aspect of it not being a priority, like a number one priority in my life. Mm-hmm. Like I'm interested in the flow of abundance, but it's not running my mission and running my show. And I would like to have more 
attention and intention around how I cultivate that. Um, but my heart is telling me that it's not the number one importance. So what, what advice would you give to someone who, you know, wants to be abundant, but isn't prepared to make everything about abundance and it being the number one focus? Yeah. So again, I think different doshas will do it in different ways. You know, there's no one size fits all. So I think that let's say you're kind of like a pitta all or nothing person. That's what I am. So I made really last year, like my abundance year, like I'm going to dive into this. I'm going to really crush it. And I did. And I was able to set up systems that now I really don't have to work as much anymore because I have way more than I ever thought possible coming in because I was able to set up these systems of residual income through online business, which is why I'm such a proponent for online business because you could be a mom, you could be working a full-time job, you could be doing anything and have this passive income coming in. And that's really how we become free when we stop training our hours for dollars. So I went all in, set it up, and now I can like talk about mystical beings and like, you know, get a face massage in the middle of the day because I really dedicated last year to it. But some people, they don't want to dedicate a full year to it. It's not that important to them still. So maybe it's those baby steps. Maybe it's just kind of looking at your expenses, maybe looking at what are the things that you could let go of. I always focus on how can I make more instead of how can I reduce? I feel like that feels a lot more abundant to me. A lot of like finance books are like, oh, well, if you're buying a latte every day, that's $4 a day. And if you can, like that feels very scarcity mindset to me. So I would focus on what are more streams of income that I can bring in. And a lot of people say, well, I have a full-time job. How can I do that? And that brings in the online business. You could be an affiliate for something. You could uh, sell something on eBay. You could you know, do network marketing. There's so many different things that you can do while still having a full-time job. I know people in my program who are teachers who have online businesses and are still able to, even if it's $2,000 a month or something, to just have that coming in just to feel a little bit more safe. Um, So I think start where you feel called, but oftentimes if we just put in energy into something and we really go for it and we're able to just like understand it and lock it in, then we don't have to sit on top anymore. It turns into an obsession when then you're like, well, now I want to make more and more and more and more. And then it never ends. So really think about like, what's that number for you? And it's going to be different for everyone. Like, where would you feel like I'd be really comfortable and happy? And it should also feel a little bit of a stretch and a little bit scary too. If I made a hundred thousand dollars a year or 200,000 or whatever it is, it shouldn't be like $10 million if you're making 50, thousand, like something that feels a little bit, a little bit of a stretch, but that you could get there and then think about, okay, what are the things that I can do? Okay. I can take on more clients. I can do this. I can do that. What are the endless possibilities I can do to get there? And then take one and, and start moving backwards. I think working backwards is the best way. Sounds like you have a lot of focus on systems that help with residual income and help money to work for itself. Have you, did you call in experts like business coaches or financial advisors to help you put these systems in place and execute them? Yeah, not, not, I actually have never hired a business coach or a financial consultant ever. I just really learned through the internet. I just learn um, systems of online business. I've definitely signed up for online courses. That has been really helpful for me of just seeing different models and then, um, and signing up for other people's like email lists and see how they're doing it. And just to like learn more about that stuff. Um, and yeah, so for me, it started with doing my 12 week program. And then from there I did different types of programs, different links, doing them through email, doing them through teachable or different platforms. And then from there, once you run the program, you just have it automated and you have like a webinar that leads to the program. And then that program keeps running. And then I have like different eBooks. So different things in different categories. Um, but I think we have so much access, like information to access available to us that it really just comes into what are you going to execute? And that's when I'm just not someone that felt like I needed someone on top of me to be like, okay, are you going to do this? But maybe you do. And then having a business coach could be the difference for you. Some people really need like a personal trainer or they need someone who is going to guide them through every step. I'm, I feel a little bit more self-motivated. So I signed up for online courses, um, which were pre-recorded, but then I actually executed the things that they said. Mm. Yeah. Because actually executing and working very hard is a huge component of this. I imagine, you know, because it takes a lot of work. It's not like you just want it and it happens. It's like, you really have to work hard. Right? Yeah, like even I don't even like to say work hard because it's again, it's that 
that paradigm of hard work feels like, oh, I'm like uh, struggling. It's a struggle mm-hmm. for me. It's like difficulty. Like actually I was so excited the whole time. Mm-hmm. I like was bolting with energy every time I was creating anything. It was almost like, no, I don't want to meet up with anyone else. Like, no, I don't want to do these things that are still really fun for me because I was so in alignment with my Dharma. So instead of hustle, it was more alignment. Mm, I love that. That's very interesting. Cause for me, like when our like online business aspects, I feel like it's a hustle. Like for me, that feels like hard work, you know? So maybe that's not my dharma to, to go. Or down shifting the energy because it felt like that for me too. But then mm-hmm. I realized, okay, if I can figure this out, then really everything I want is on the other side. So like how mm-hmm. awesome that I have this gift, the internet, that I can put things online. I get to teach about whatever I want. And people in Timbuktu get to like, what an amazing time to be alive and shifting your mindset from that instead of like, oh, there's so many things to do. Like 30 years ago, we didn't have this option. Mm-hmm. So if we see this as such a blessing and we're like, oh, I'm so lucky to have Wi-Fi. I, I don't have to like have my mom hang up the phone so I can go on the internet. Like I have this tool available for me. All I have to do is kind of like learn a new language right now and then I'm going to become fluent in it. Mm-hmm. I love that. And it sounds to me as well like a main component of getting that um, genuine surge of energy to push forward into understanding the systems, researching them, putting them in place, executing them and enjoying the process is fundamentally being in alignment with your true life purpose. Mm-hmm. So you know, what advice would you offer someone who hasn't yet found their life purpose and doesn't know where to begin? Yeah. I actually have a program called Doshas and Dharma all about that, but (laughs) that, that essentially is not like a one, one sentence thing. I'd be like, this is how you find your purpose. (laughs) But essentially what I teach in the program is to follow your excitement, to follow what are the things that you're naturally good at, to see what are the things that you could get paid for based off of the skills that you have, to ask your friends and family what they think that you're good at, because sometimes we don't even know. So to be like, what do you like when you think of me, like, what do you think my skills are if you just have no idea for yourself? And then from there, it's it's then being like, okay, well, the like I'm a creative, so these are all the options for creatives. I could be an artist, I could be this. Okay, then from there, what feels good? From there, what feels good? And then just following the excitement. Mm-hmm. Love that. I I have a question that came up a little bit later when you were talking, but we haven't been able to get back to it. And you know how you said like all the women in your family, like didn't get any opportunities for business. They were just housewives and that was what was expected. And you've broken that, which is awesome. Um, But what does your family think about you and how you're approaching life? And do they accept that or are they like, don't accept it or how do they feel? Yeah. So the first few years was really rough with my family because I wasn't making the money yet. I'm devoting all my time to studying something and doing online business. They didn't understand what it was. So they're like, why don't you just become a dentist? Why don't you become something that we get that we can label and we can tell our friends? Um, So that came with that fear. And it's like Maslow's hierarchy, right? When those basic needs Mm -hmm. were not met, you know, my mom was a refugee who illegally fled Iran. Like Mm -hmm. imagine all this, the trauma still in her that she's like, why would you want to like, what does truth mean? What is Mm -hmm. this truth that you're looking Mm -hmm. for? Like the truth is just that we live here. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But then once they were able to, you know, I was able to put my money where my mouth was Mm -hmm. literally and be like, no, look, I'm actually doing it and successful and making more money than the dentist that you wanted me Mm -hmm. to be. Then they're like, wait, what? This is possible. And now it's like opened up their beliefs of what is possible for them. So now my mom, she listens to Abraham Hicks and (laughs) she's coming with me to Hawaii. I'm like, we're going to go find Lemuria. She's like, yeah. And like, you know, it's like opened up this whole pathway and, you know, we choose our parents and our parents choose us. So it feels so good. I mean, they still think I'm really crazy, but to be able to be like, oh yeah. So I feel like in your past life, you were this, like before they were like, just stop. And now they're like, okay, Tell me more. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. <laughs> I love that that speaks directly to our concept of when you heal yourself, you heal your lineage. Yeah. And they can only rise up to meet you at your new place, upgrade your vibration and start to explore their own healing and expansion from that place. Yes. Well done. Mm. I have one more question because we're going to wrap up soon. But, you know, you were speaking before about the mindset of um, always being thirsty when it comes down to 
you know, we seem to be in this generation of we're never satisfied and there's always something more around the corner. And it's such an easy trap to fall into around abundance where we want more and more and more. And it can be this kind of vicious cycle. So what is your relationship with that mindset where like, do you have a point where you're satisfied and you're going to stop kind of chasing or do you find yourself getting stuck in, I need more, I need more because the more you accumulate, the more you spend, and then the more you need to make money to then support that new lifestyle. What are your ideas around that? Yeah. So, you know, it's human nature to want to constantly improve and expand and grow. I mean, we wouldn't have civilizations if it wasn't for that. So I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to improve or grow your business, but not at the cost of growing yourself and your soul. So I, I find a lot of people, they start doing whatever business so they can make money and do that thing that they love and they never come back to the thing that they love. So that takes taking a step back and being like, how do I really want to spend my time? And often when you see really how easy it is to make money, it's actually really freaking easy guys. And you're able to see that. Then you're like, well, I could do this. I could do this. I could do this. And you have to leave money on the table. Because there's a lot of things that you could be doing, but at the expense of what? Spending less time with your kids, following your dream of being a musician. So I think that it's important to kind of have your exit strategy almost. It's like, okay, I'm going to do money and I'm going to remember for sure that I'm going to come back to this thing and maybe tell other people to like hold yourself accountable because you don't want to give up on who you are in the pursuit of money. Money is just energy to fuel who you are. So I've seen, like I have a friend, he's a musician and he had a podcast. It was like really popular with Nick. We were just talking about Nick yeah, Broadhurst. Yeah. yeah. And then yesterday he announced, I'm not doing the podcast anymore. Oh, yeah. not? He says, I want, I want to focus on being a musician. And amazing. I'm like, how amazing. He has a successful podcast. He's making money on it. He says, I want to be a musician. I'm like, yes. Like, we don't see enough of that. You think, oh, if something's making money and sustainable, I have to stay on this ship forever until it sinks. Yeah, you don't want to be a, um, a prisoner to it. You don't want to be a prisoner to it. And and I think, again, it's looking at the bigger picture. How do you want to spend your time? The purpose of abundance is so your everyday life can be your most optimal. Some people, like a Gary Vee type personality, they love being in the office and having you know 100 people in running around and doing things. They thrive off that. That's his energy. Very, very Pitta, Saturn, like that, that stuff going on. For me, I realized in my business, I actually don't love managing people and telling me what to do. I, I actually hate doing that. So I keep it super simple. Like my team is literally like me and my assistant and like some people in the Philippines and like, that's it because I'd rather keep it like bare bones, basic. So I can have more freedom in my time. Very smart. Getting money to work for you. So you get more freedom. Yes. Very smart. Someone once gave me a beautiful analogy. They said, just imagine um, money like a vacuum, a vacuum cleaner. You need to remove the vacuum cleaner to have it empty to, to get more in. Yes. So it's kind of like, I guess I'm thinking about hoarders and when, you know, there's that energy around oh, yeah. hoarding around money, there's no space for more to flow back in. And, and that's even with creativity, be, space in your head for the it. downloads to come through. That's it. And that's connected to the self-development of really trusting and moving in the flow and being spontaneous and, and following boundaries your too. Totally. It's all connected yeah. to your self-worth, mm -hmm. to doing the work, to being in action, yes. not just sitting back and manifesting it right. and um, loving what you do, having it be an, an authentic passion. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Absolutely. Smart girl, Sahara Rose. I know. <laughs> I just want to keep you here forever. <laughs> Amazing. Well, unfortunately, that kind of we're at time for today, but wow. Thank you so much. I kind of get the feeling we've just scratched the surface on this topic with you, <laughs> yes. but thank you so much for giving us your little golden nuggets of wisdom. Of um, I know our audience are going to be chomping at the bits to figure out how to get hold of you, where to find your podcast, your blog, and all of your courses. Please tell us what you're up to and how people can get involved. Yeah. So I have an Abundance Mindset Masterclass, which is just $20. It's AbundanceMindsetMasterclass.com. So you can check that out, learn more. Um, my Instagram, which is where I hang out most of the days, is um, at I am Sahara Rose. And on my website, I am Rose.com, I have a dosha quiz. So if you're like, I want to know more about my dosha and all that stuff, you can take the quiz. It will tell you what percentage of each are you are in your mind and in your body. So you'll, you're able to see, okay, what's going on here? What's going on there? And then we'll email you a free 
three-day mini course with suggestions. Um, my books are Eat, Feel, Fresh, and Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda. And my podcast is called Highest Self Podcast. Thank you guys so much for having me. Oh, thank, thank you. you. We you loved having such you. such a legend. Thank mm. you so much. Um, and that then takes us to an invitation for our audience. We always like to offer them an invitation so they can start to apply some of the tips and tricks we've been discussing today to create real transformation in their own lives. Um, so I would love to invite you guys to try on one of the tools we discussed today that resonates with you and take on a daily mindful practice around integrating that, whether that be really sitting in meditation and thinking about where in your life you um, was the root cause of your concepts around money and beliefs around money and if that serves you or not and going back and recreating the narrative around that and moving towards a new definition of abundance and really working with the mind, body, spirit, applying the dosha philosophy and um, yeah, just being in action around upgrading your consciousness around abundance because you're worth it. Amazing. So that's it for today. Guys, we are so grateful to have you listening. And if you like this episode, please share it on Facebook, on Instagram, or on iTunes. Leave us a review and make sure you're subscribed to get every new episode. Remember, only us together can save the mother-loving future. 